build the team of people who are better at some things that you're not. Sure. And so you build coaches term. We call that unique ability. We all have a unique ability. I believe that. And so you build a unique ability team. It is awesome. Yeah. You just pick up and do things. It's synergist, synergistic. And nobody has to carry all the heavy weight. Yeah. You know, in this morning, the presentation we did, I didn't put anything on any of the slides. Yeah. It was all done for me. And I didn't, I didn't actually did give all the presentation, let the guys who do it, because they've been around me a long time. I let them, I let them yeah. give the presentation. And I filled in the pieces that I wanted because that's the strength of the team. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hey, leaders. I'm really, really excited about bringing a friend and somebody I've known for over 20 years. So Gary Modersted, his, uh, you know, I met him through the strategic coach. And if you listen to the podcast, you know what I think about the world's best entrepreneurial organization. And Gary was my first coach at the strategic coach. Um, And he's been coaching for over 24 years there. He's coached over 3000 entrepreneurs. And just, he has some amazing stories about that experience and about the coach and what really, really matters about being a successful entrepreneur. He has been involved in two businesses and the story about the first one was just unbelievable what can happen to an entrepreneur and turning it in to, from a horrific situation to later on being able to exit nine years later with his head held high to start a new business. But You know, Gary has recycled more tires than anyone else in the world. And I never knew that. And so basically turning it into, you know, I think largely roads and also putting it back into tires. And he's gone on and started another business called GCP Industrial Products, which is working with China and have incredible relationships. And basically from zero now to over $20 million dollars a Canadian business that largely deals into the United States. And we talk about, we talk about that. So I know you're going to love this. I think Gary is an incredibly wise guy, you know, really um, great storyteller. Uh, You know, this is what he does for a living is, is, uh, is coach and, and share stories. And um, again, please listen. I know you're going to love it. Uh, he really delivered an enormous amount of value in our conversation today. So, and you know what we're up to is finding amazing young leaders. So if you know of anyone, please send them my way, Chris at leaderspodcast.ca, share our podcast, send them to studentworks.com. Thanks so much. Have a fantastic day. So Gary, welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. Oh, thank you very much, Chris. It's delighted to, to, I'm really delighted to reconnect with you after all the years and uh, just a few chat that we were having, you know, we ha- really haven't lost a beat and I said, you no. haven't changed at all. And uh, so I'm, I'm delighted that we, you invited <laughs> me to do this today. Well, me too. And, and I know my leaders know that I, I, I look to invite really amazing people who have had incredible careers or in the process of them. And so what I want to do was, was start back, you know, as a teenager. 
So, you know, what were you frustrated by? You know, who was Gary? You know, what was going on in your mind, et cetera? Yeah, you know what, um, Chris, it's a great thought. And, and I, I want to start just a touch earlier. Because sure. When I go back and think about what's important, uh, as, as I'm an entrepreneur, and you know, this part of the leader is the leadership is being, is that I delivered newspapers and, okay. and I delivered newspapers at the lake and I got to do it by boat. I first of all had a little 12 horsepower or a 12 foot, six foot horsepower aluminum boat. And I would fold the papers up and drop them on the dock. You know, later on, we, I graduated to a larger boat. I got up to about 80 papers of doing that. But the interesting thing about that was in the city, when you sold a paper, you had to, you had to charge people the face value. The Toronto Star at the time or the Globe and Mail or the Sun even at that time controlled that. Well, when you deliver it by boat, you charge what people will pay. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I got to charge that. And sometimes I got people that they wanted it on their dock by 8 o'clock in the morning. Well, when you're a teenager, come on, you're early teens. So that's, a, that's pretty early in the morning to do that. But I would do that. And I would get tips that would be greater than what I would deliver, cost the paper. Because yes. people, I began to understand appreciation of value. It wasn't mm -hmm. about, it wasn't, the paper was there. Well, we didn't have online tools either way. And so when yes. people are on islands, for example, and having to come off on islands, and, and these are people who are, had, had money. I mean, for the yes. most part, they could afford to do all that. But it was really kind of cool. And then, and then I'd, 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 I'd have to clip the top off. If, um, if I was to get a credit. And so I had to deal with the suppliers. I had to deal with the suppliers and deal with the customers. And the other thing I innovated on is that people didn't like the paper to get wet. Right. Well, it's, it's common to see your newspaper. I got one on my driveway right now in, in plastic okay. bags. Yes. Well, I innovated doing plastic bags because in a boat, on a dock, a rainy day or waves or anything like that, they get wet. And I actually did them in the morning and in the afternoon. And one of the cute little things was, is that one of Good friends of my mom and dad's was Stafford Smythe, and Stafford Smythe was the president of Maple Leaf, uh, Toronto Maple Leaf Hockey Club. Yeah. And so they were on the next lake over, and so I would get over there, and I would borrow their boat, a little five horsepower Gale motor, or whatever, and I deliver papers on their boat from uh, from their boat on on that lake. And uh, that was my start. You know, I pumped gas, I did other things, but when I go back, so I, I know you want to go back to a teenager, but I. I've had to go back and think about this for me is that I really started that. And I didn't realize that that was important for laying the seeds further. Yes. Not, not many people would wanted to have done that. I, I didn't go to work. I didn't go get a job per se. And I did have jobs after that. So if I right. worked all the way through and then maybe the other piece about high school, I think that's also important for, for you is I grew up in the East end of Toronto. I went to school in downtown Toronto. It was a boys' school, and so I had to commute an hour each way. Okay. And I was small. I'm not a big person anyway. And sports was a right. big deal. Well, I had to learn how to be very, very independent. And uh, independent of, of thought, independent of mind. I wasn't part of the whole milieu of everybody who was around there. And so I think the, the combination of, of surviving through that, developing an independence, um, having my own initiative to do the papers, do the things that I wanted to do, I didn't. Again, you don't think about it at the time. You just survive. Just survive yes. and you do what the situation is in front of you. But when I look back on that, those years from, say, 12 to 18 were really, really uh, formative for me in terms of what has transpired, you know, over the rest yeah. of my life. And, and it's like you don't recognize it at the time, but you see it now. You see, I got that I'm not going to focus on time and effort. I'm going to focus on results. And I know one of our values is a value that we, 
you know, took or, or borrowed or share with the, the, the strategic coach is results economy. We just believe in that, you know, it's just like, no, you know, focus on results. Don't focus on time and effort. Um, and you, you learn that as a young person. Yeah. And, and, and what taught me, you know, cause I see, I, I see people like, like your leaders coming in and from student works and, and I always appreciate, you know, they, they set up, they'll come to the door, they'll talk about what they can do and work mm-hmm. on. And I know what they're going through. I know what you, I know what you are going through as you're listening to this yeah. is that, but it's yours to make. It's not anybody else's. It's up yes. to you. And yeah. you, I'd say the one thing that is really, really important is you've got to believe that what you're doing is worthwhile and not just for you, but for the people that you're doing the service for, but also yeah. the people that are working with you. Okay. For sure. You know, you're, but so what a, what a great leadership skill uh, to develop because everything is there in that business. Uh, as I see it, I know you, you that's your, that's your yeah. world, but that everything is there to lay the seeds and lay the groundwork, whether you're 18, 20, 22, 24, whatever doesn't, yeah. age doesn't really matter. But if they can appreciate that, Chris, and I'm sure you probably bring that to their attention. That yeah. this this is this is a lifelong skill, and some people are going to gravitate to it, and others yeah. aren't. Yes, for sure. No, well, and 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 that's one of the things we try to set up is that people will be pulled towards or repelled, and that's great. You know, just because again, in many ways, we're culture countercultural. You know, results economy. Well, the law says pay people minimum wage and things like that. Well, we don't pay anyone. People come and earn money with us. You know, so it's a it's a it's a it's a different world that we both exist in as entrepreneurs. Yeah, and, and you know, the the interesting thing, you know, we're, we're recording this um, in October here of 2020. We're in the middle of this still COVID, and I actually think the whole COVID situation is creating a great deal of uh, inequality and un- unequalness. Yes. Yes. And and for those who are in the time and effort economy. And unfortunately, for those who've been in the hospitality and the restaurants and travel businesses are recognizing that that their world has been been cut off on them. And I feel really, really badly for them. But you're also going to find a separation. Those that are prepared to go out and recognize where the opportunities are and recognize when to bring value are the ones that are going to excel. And so this is this whole world is even though everyone's been treated kind of equally with respect to what the impact is, the results of it will not be equal. And so, again. Think about this as you're going through this. And the flip side of this is this is going to be over. The um, ITR economics presentation had so said by the second quarter of you know 2021, which coming into your next, you know, your next season, the business is going to be coming back again. And it's going to recover in a space of three years, where yeah. it took the last recession from 2008, five years to recover, which means mm-hmm. there are going to be massive opportunities for those who are positioned and ready to go. So here it is, October, we've got six months to get ready for this. So where do you want to be? Where do you want to be positioned so that you're set to go with this? People are, you've seen it right now, how much work everybody's doing on their homes, what they're doing to work. That's not going to go away. That's going to continue to accept. Yes. We're so blessed, Gary, and I, I agree as well. I feel, I feel, you know, really horrible for the people and empathy and sympathy goes out for people who are, who are, who are again, less set up, don't have the same philosophy or just not able to take advantage of the marketplace the way we are. And we are just so well set up. We, we had our best year ever by, by $2 million. We expect to be up again next year. So, you know, next year, our goal is $18 million. Like, um, you know, back in the day when Gary and I first got connected, uh, I was running a $3 million business. 
and uh, and, a, and a bunch of the things, uh, you know, certainly a, a whole group of the things that why we're doing so well is a whole bunch of the the strategies and systems and processes that we learned at the Strategic Coach and still use today. But before we jump into that, Gary, walk me back. I know looking at your LinkedIn, graduated from Western, Bachelor of Engineering, and then you worked at Esso and DuPont. T- talk about that and, and, and that experience and how, how important was that to be able to start your business. And again, I just make that up. Yeah, no, it's, that's fine because I, it also part that maybe should be there is I also got an MBA from Western. So I stayed, I stayed oh. at school for six years and I'll, I'll have to tell you, you know, your parents, in my case, my parents were a big influence. My father was, was very successful in my opinion. I never went to, never went to university, just got out of high school. And, uh, we, we lived in New York for a while. That's where I was born in New York. And then he came back and mm-hmm. I didn't know until later, until later that he was actually an entrepreneur and went out and went mm-hmm. out onto his own. Cause he just went to work. But yeah. At, at that point in time, when he became an entrepreneur, it was when the reason you became an entrepreneur, cause you couldn't hold a job. It wasn't that glamorous as it is today. <laughs> uh, but so when I came out, my father and probably my mother didn't want me to go through what he went through. And I didn't know right. what he went through. So I, I, I was one of five children. So I was kind of oblivious to all of that stuff going on. Yeah. And so he said, go get an engineering degree, go get an MBA. You know, he was in the oil business, you know, get into the oil business, get somewhere and you're set for life. Right. And you know what? So that's, the, that's the household I grew up in. Um, and it was kind of a, in, in retrospect, kind of mixed in the sense that he's an entrepreneur, um, but wanted us to have stability. So I got, yeah. I look at it this way as I got my card punched, I had, right. get, I had certain things I'd punch or check off and yeah. I got that done. And then I go, now what? <laughs> oh, I guess I, I should get a job. And of course, there were lots of jobs right then at that point in time for engineers, MBAs. And so went into the oil business, you know, I won't, you know, my father helped new people and I got, got a job and I worked at Esso for a couple of years. And then I went to DuPont. DuPont was really great. I loved working for DuPont. I got to be, at first time I got to be in sales. I got to, you know, I never thought about being in sales. Again, salesmen didn't have great uh, reputation. reputation. Yes. And, uh, I loved, I loved talking to people. I love thinking about it. I love pulling together. They, they made me an analyst at first. And I thought that I said, this isn't going to work. <laughs> so, <laughs> so made me an analyst, you know, I said, yeah, yeah, no, I, I was, I was too creative for them. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So I realized that, that they had a plan. And so coming to point, your point is I saw when I was at ESO, they had a plan for what engineers went through and you yeah. had to go through their program. Well, Next job after working in Toronto was to go down to Sarnia and go work in the plant. And I said, I'd spent basically two years through my summers of engineering working in plants. And I said, I'm not going back. Right. So I, I began to, again, going back to taking my own path as I did from high school, I said, I'm not going to follow their path. Right. And, and again, a little bit as an entrepreneur, you don't follow somebody else's path. Your path right. has to be yours. You follow your path. And, mm-hmm. and that's hard, but you have to be willing to take control for your future. So went off to DuPont. DuPont was great. I loved being with them. I got a chance to travel around. I got a chance to be out there. I don't know why, but they always gave me the businesses where I could operate myself. I started right. things up. I shut things down. And I go, they, I said, they give me all the tough jobs. What the hell am I getting all the tough jobs? Russ, who now works with me and has for many years, he's a sales guy. And, and, he, and he always had fun. He was going out, having lunch and dinners and all that <laughs> stuff. And I go, you give me all the tough stuff to do. <laughs> And I go, the reason is, and, and dealing with the US yes. and dealing with other people, the reason is, is they could see, I thought it was, it was frustrating to me. I did it for eight years. Yeah. And I, and I stayed there until they stuck me into meetings, four and a right. half days out of five every week. And I oh. said, this isn't me. Yeah. And when I left, they were most surprised because I had got a couple of promotions. I clearly 
people who came in behind me that I brought into the company ended up being in the senior leadership team at, at DuPont. So clearly they had plans that that's something that I could do. Right. But I was not cut out for it. I would be in a meeting. I tell remember one day I was in a meeting with my boss or boss's boss, the vice president. And I'm a little guy and this guy, man, John Carson was a big man. And I'm in there and a customer and the customer saying something. And I knew, I knew something about this customer. My father had dealt with them before. They weren't totally quite ethical. And my VP is going, you know, well, isn't this right, Gary? And I had to look at him and said, no, John, this is not right. Well, did the air go cool? F frosty. And I called that an SCI, serious career impediment. And so I, I realized because for them, it didn't matter. It wasn't their money. Right. But yes. for me, it mattered. And I go, yes. how can I be in that organization? And they would have accepted it. They would have screwed yeah. DuPont in the end. And, and I knew that, but that wouldn't yes. have been my but I couldn't live with it. Yeah. I realized that, and it wasn't about ethics necessarily. I mean, it, no. I don't want to put it that way because they were an extremely ethical company and people, no. and they just didn't know what was right. coming on. And I said, you know, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. My, life is, my, my life does not intersect. My future does not intersect with their future. I was disappointed because I loved working with them. I loved the development. I loved the research and work and things that were coming, the company was doing. It did change quite a bit after that, but I was there at a heyday and right. uh, a lot of young people. And so I also recognized, you know, coming back to my high school days and through my, my first jobs at DuPont, I mean, at ESSO, that uh, I, I just, I couldn't do it. I, I, it wasn't I a fit. I know. I mean, it's not, not, it wasn't quite selling my soul, but I couldn't do it. Yeah. Oh, well, I totally, I totally can, can see that. And, and especially for who you've become for the world and what you're up to and what you're creating. And so when you left, did you already have your next plan moved? Well, plan, I did. A, plan, a, yeah, a, okay. a friend of mine called me and said, would I go work with them? So I ended up going in the cleaning and chemicals business. And, uh, uh, and that was, honestly, that was an unmitigated disaster. Okay. Uh, he ended up selling the company, uh, but I, I got to run 250 people. I got to run mm-hmm. 250 people in the, in the cleaning business. They said they needed the sales. They actually needed operations. I mean, I, right. I got a real culture lesson. A lot of the people were from other ethnic origins. This was in the East End of Toronto at that time. Uh, and and I, what I got to see, Chris, about that, every one of these, every one of these experiences made something for me. Yeah. I'm a simplifier. And I, I take things that are complex and make them simple for other people. Yes. And when we're getting into quoting the cleaning of some of the large, large office towers and, and co- commercial industrial complexes, they wanted to make the quotes complex to make it look like they were doing great things and charge for it. And, and it's still a commodity in some respects. And I go, you know what? Again, I think of all these things that were going against my grain. Is our, mm. And I didn't know about strategic coach at the time. I didn't know that our job was to make things simple for other people. But yeah. we had to go make these things complex. And I go, it doesn't resonate with me. He eventually sold the company. I got bounced pretty quickly from that because I was part of the the old world. And uh, right, but you know it. And and so the, at that point, I did have to start over. That's when I started my entrepreneurial career. After that, uh, but you know, it's. Um, I think back about those. They're really formative times. And and again, your to your leaders, or listen to yourself. Listen to what you're feeling. What's going on? What's working for you? And what's not working for you? Because we have an instinct for a very good reason. We do. We do. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and, uh, we're just not going to find and, and create a great life for ourselves if we're going against that. So that's just, that's just totally, totally true. And I just want to say that goes personally and professionally, by the way. So things don't separate. So again, if you know, people life's some people say life is too short. Yes, it is, but life is long enough that, you know, 
be happy with what you do in your life, both personally and professionally. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. And and it, there is something as well to the life and vision of an entrepreneur is you're just used to taking choices, right? And making choices and then living with the consequences, right? And obviously, you know, you, you, you hope that you're going to keep making good choices and I've made some really bad choices and they haven't gone well. And I've made a bunch of really good choices and they've gone well, but ultimately they're all my choices and uh, I'm okay with them. Yeah. You know, I can live with my own mistake. Yeah. I really can. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you talked this about a little bit earlier in, as we were getting ready. And to me, the mark of an entrepreneur is not how many times it get knocked down because we're going to get knocked down and we yes, have to learn. Exactly. It's how many times yeah. we get back up again. Yeah. And I think that's what, that's what I want everybody to think about. You got back up again. And why'd you get back up again? And the belief in yourself, I know you have this and yeah. I do. The belief in yourself has to be absolute. Yeah, for sure. For we can sure. have some doubts. Yeah. We can have some doubts, of course. but not the belief that we're going to be successful. <laughs> yeah, no, no. And you just keep getting up. And then as we talked about earlier, it's like, hey, do you need some coaching? Do you need somebody to help you out? Do you need some resources? You know, during COVID, I, I remember calling the coach and saying, hey, let's go look at that scary, scary times manual. There's this great scary times manual. You can find it on the internet. You can reach out to me. I can send it to you. But we sent it out to, to our team. We sent it out to our operators about here's what to do in really scary times. And, and I know Gary, Gary did the same thing in his business and uh, yeah. looking at it. Yeah. Well, you know, as we've talked about, I've, I've been involved in coach for almost 30 years now. and. Mm-hmm had the opportunity to coach about 3000 entrepreneurs. So you being one, which I'm always delighted that I've had some, some great friends out of that. And, uh, but the, my goal was always to help you. My goal was always yes. for everybody to grow. And if you weren't growing and I had to grow too, I had to get better. I had to grow. So that's what, yeah. and, and I think that's a, that's really something for their leaders to think about is that when do you want to stop growing? Yeah. I hope the answer is never, <laughs> never. Um, and, and, and no, it's very, very interesting because you know, I'm an, I'm an of, a, of an age now, and as I said, I've been working for 40 odd years. And, uh, yeah. um, so I have a place up at the lake and, you know, people play golf and they do all those things. And, and I'm at the finish where mo- most of them are getting retired now, you know, yeah. retired a lot young, younger than me. And, uh, they're all up playing golf and they say, Gary, why aren't you here? You know, you can play golf and do all these things. I said, yeah. I said, golf is the reason why I still work. You know, <laughs> I'd have to get better at the game. You know, I'm fine with the way it is. I'm okay. You know, so, uh, but I, I, what I meant was, is that, that some people just work to a level of generating a lifestyle for themselves. Yes. And, and so they got the cottage or they got the chalet or they got the trip at yep. place down South or the boats or with the cars and planes, whatever it might be. Yep. And the memberships and they go and do all that. And they stop at that point. And I think that's pretty sad because they've got a lot more to give. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I've been very fortunate that I've, I've, I've had a lot in my life and, and to work with, but I've never felt that there's a place to stop and yeah. uh, slow down, catch a breath, relax, appreciate what's yeah. happened, but what's next, you know, yeah. what's coming next, what's there. And those people have a lot of energy. They have a lot of usefulness to them, regardless of their age. And I, and I, yeah. I want, you know, your leaders to think about the fact there's a lot of what I call gravity pull. We talk about in coach going, going against gravity. And that you're supposed to get to a certain age, you're supposed to retire, you're supposed to have this and do yes. that. And I go and say, yeah. you know what? This is your life. Cut your mm-hmm. own path. And, and you always have to have purpose. I think that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing. We always have to have purpose. So if you've got a purpose that's not around work, that's awesome. Yeah. But if you're, a lot of your purpose and time is with work and you stop it, what's replacing all of that? Yeah. yeah. As we can, 
we don't want to go into those situations with void. Now, I know a lot of them are really young now and why they're thinking about that. But what I'm thinking about is that you're always setting yourself up. It, it, yeah. it doesn't ever have to be over. And that this stage of student works and this sets you up for something else. It sets you up for what you want to do. And as Dan Sullivan always says from strategic coach, make your future bigger than your past. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I love as well, I'll regularly in my interviews hear people about wanting to retire and whether I coach them then or later, but, you know, Dan, Dan described to me, you know, retirement really means to be put out of use. And so, so when you're constantly looking to grow and develop, really what people are looking for is to be independently wealthy, to, to be able to, you know, provide for my family, do the things I want to be able to do. And, and again, um, certainly my sense is Gary, that's where you are and have been there for a while. And why wouldn't I want to work with this amazing team of people at my office? Why wouldn't I want to go and coach not 3,000 entrepreneurs, but 4,000 or 6,000 entrepreneurs and make a huge contribution and provide really great value? And my feeling's always been is I want to slide into home plate when I die and just like be dust and I've been used up and, uh, you know, everything uh, I've, I've created all that I can create. And, and again, I know eventually I'm done, but enjoy, enjoy all the days I can. You know, it, it- it's a couple of interesting things. And you talk about, you know, slide into the home plate when you're done. And as someone said to me one time, Gary, they're going to put on your tombstone that he ran out of time. And, <laughs> I, and I said, I said, I'm just fine with that, but I'll, I'll give you another one too. It's a, and this happened a couple of years ago, uh, very good friends of ours. He worked for Nortel retired a number of years ago. Wife was a principal in the school system and she retired and they're up at, they're up in, a chalet not far from you and uh yeah. we have new years together and i go you know and i just off the cuff i said paul i said paul you know what if today were my last day i wouldn't want it to be but i'd be okay i've done what i could do in the time that i had yeah so from that i had no regrets and uh, from that standpoint and paul in his way said he said gary i can't say that and i said oh shit or why did i say that to him you know because yeah. i was only speaking about myself right and i i really felt I've thought about that over the last couple of years. And I know, you know what? That was a very important statement for me to make because for I sure. say, you know what? In spite, we talked about the mistakes we've made, whether it's the money we made or what we've done, what the impact we're having. And uh, I don't think about those things very much, just continuing to go on. But I go and say, you know what? I am okay. I believe I've accomplished what I could have expected to accomplish at this point in time. And hopefully there's more to do. Yeah. And so- for any one of us, we never know when our time is going to come and what's going to happen. I always love Billy Joel's expression in the song, only the good die young. And, uh, and young is not an age. It's just right. where you are in your stage of life. And so that to me is important. And I, I don't want, so the point for me is everyone appreciate what they've accomplished. We're always going to be around people who've done quotes more. Yes. Do that. Yeah. But we, you know what, appreciate what you've done. And, and I think that also gives you a lot of motivation and confidence for, for going forward too. For, and, uh, for moving, moving forward. I agree. So just again, one of the things that our leaders love to understand is, is people's path. So I know you started a business recovery technology. So why don't you talk to our leaders about that, what that was and that experience? Yeah. And I can do that in retrospect too, because um, let me tell you what it is. Recovery technologies was uh, really one of the first tire recycling operations, uh, 1989, actually. Right. Uh, in Air, Ontario, I was some partners, people I didn't know, acquired a facility. 
And my driving force is I really wanted to do something. This is craziness. I got to tell you, Chris, this is just craziness. I I wanted to do something that somebody else hadn't been able to do. Okay. Don't ask me why. There was no model for it. There's no economics for it. Okay. Um, I guess my my second child, Christy, was being born at that point. She was born in November 19th, 1989. That's about the time we got the keys to this defunct place. I remember sort of a dark Friday or whatever. And then began to put this thing together. And uh, that was a eight years, toughest, toughest thing in my life. Oh, wow. And so let me tell you the start of that. So talking about start of an entrepreneur. So I got the keys to it. This is November. We weren't really doing very much. My mother passed away of cancer in February. I'm at my, my I'm at the house from my parents and I have a phone call saying that they, that because I'm in the tire recycling business at the Hagersville tire pile outside of Hamilton's on fire, 12 million tires burned up. And immediately the next day, the Ontario government slapped on any facility that had more than 100,000 tires was locked down. Plant that I acquired had more than 100,000 tires on it. Locked We were shut down. I couldn't start. Not only that, we had to have guards. We had to pay a guard 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I had to have a guy live at the plant. I couldn't operate. All money out. Nothing wow. coming in. No, no business model, no other resources. And I go, I've got a brand new child, second one. Uh, I've thrown money into it. My wife is on maternity leave. We got no income coming in from either source. And I decided to be in the tire recycling business. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we worked our way out of it. We worked our way through that. Um, we got it all going. When I eventually got out of it eight years ago, I said I sold and got out with my shirt. So right. um, other than a tremendous amount of experience, there's a lot of things I could tell you about that story going through there that, was, that were really character building. Right. But what happened through all of that was, you know, I really learned that you can live through just about anything if you want to. Right. And, and my, my goal, uh, so a lot of people talk about being successful and then being significant. I right. felt I had the opportunity to be significant before I was successful. Okay. I really started the whole tire recycling world that's there, the rubber going into asphalt, the rubber going into the sports field. We supplied them to Sports Turf in Montreal before they could even afford to pay their bills. And you know what? I will always look back upon that as saying, maybe I've been responsible for recycling more tires than anybody else in this world. Um, at least I can say that because it's hard to argue with that. But the thing is, is that what that did lead me to, it, it led me to the, the business that I have now, GCP Industrial Products, because from there, that's I got in touch with factories from China, got in touch with me who use recycled rubber. The rubber we bring in now for both our, our belting and our sheet rubber is also recycled material. So I'm still one of the largest recyclers in the world. And uh, I don't tell anybody about it because it doesn't matter to them. They all think recycled rubber is crap. But right. I go back and say, you know what? I know what I did. And I know what I wanted to accomplish. And I know how we changed, we changed the world in, in, some, in small ways. Things that people don't need to see. So not always the people change the world that are things that everyone recognizes. It's not, we're not the Elon Musks and the, and the Steve Jobs and the you know, Zuckerbergs and the Bezos. But all of us, you, you've done the same thing. We all, do, we all make those changes in the world uh, in our own right. Well, that's really awesome. And so, because I remember the Hagersville fire that, you know, if you lived during that time, you remember the Hagersville fire and I had no idea the impact, you know, on my good friend, Gary here, about like what, like what a, what a traumatic, traumatic impact. And it, and it really speaks to as well, you know, good idea, good thought, good premise. And there's a black swan event that can literally change your world. Right. And 
really, really test your, your confidence, your tenacity, your perseverance. What did you do during those times to sort of get through, Gary? Well, you know, there, you reach a point of no return. Mm-hmm. And, and I'd already decided that, that I wasn't going back to work for somebody. In fact, I, right. I was offered a job, um, which had been president of a company in Stratford, Ontario, and all, you know, to go, as opposed to go do the tire cycling business. And I decided, you know, my mom was in the hospital dying of cancer. Uh, I said, I can't do that. And I've just got to stay and, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I have to, I think in a while, it's like, it's like a, a kettle that's mm-hmm. just on simmer and starts to boil. You know, eventually it, it, it boils over and the steam comes off. And I said, I got to do this. You know, I've got to at least satisfy myself whether I can do this or not. And so you just become damn determined, you know? Right. Uh, and the one thing I will say is you don't do it alone either. And I don't want right. anybody to get the impression you do it alone. You know, get, getting a team of people around you, which I did at that point in time, we totally redesigned the facility. I got, I sold 12 of these units around the world into Europe and Mexico and Japan and uh, USA and Canada. I mean, I, I look back with a lot of pride about the whole yeah. thing, but I, when you get into a crisis uh, like that was the black Swan event, or like we've yeah. just been through right now, you just put one foot in front of the other. Yeah. And there is no model, like there's no model for how we'll come out of this. This is why yeah. we're having these conversations. So yeah. we have to rely on who we are, what we know. And again, who are we serving? What are we looking after? And I remember one customer that said, yeah, Gary, I'll buy your rubber from you. They were the biggest guys in the business at the time down in the States. He said, we'll pay three cents a pound for it. It cost me 25 cents a pound to make it. And they knew it cost me more and they'd only pay three cents for it. I said, well, I need the three cents to make my payroll next week. Okay. That's my next step. Oh, right. Exactly. That's and, the next and, step. Yes. And then, and, and I have to say in all my years now, more than 30 years of being an entrepreneur, everybody who's worked for me has already got, already always had their payroll, always had their right. payment. Yeah. A yeah. lot of times I haven't, Yeah. but they've never missed it. And that was yeah. my goal. So, you know, I looked at it and said, what was important? Look after your people. What yeah. do I have to do to look after the people? How do I keep the business moving forward? Yeah. And you know what? I'm a business school trained guy. I'm an engineer trained guy. And you kind of go out the window. <laughs> the economics say you don't do this. No, no, no. Yes. Cash says, cash says I do this. <laughs> okay. Cash cash is king. Cash is it. king. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think, I, I, and I, I think I'll say too, I think the leaders have an instinct that if they are need to, they got to follow yeah. that instinct. And I said, what do yeah. I got to do? This is, yeah. this, this is how I live. This is how yeah. I live next week. This yeah. is how I live the week after that. And yeah. I also know, you know, I'll go back to 1981 when we bought our house, interest rates were 17%. Yeah. Okay. Now, so the price of the house wasn't so high, but um, so you got $100,000 board, you got $17,000 a year just of interest. Well, today people can buy a million dollars or more with having that kind of, you know, cost structure, even including paying down some principal. Yeah. And so completely different. And I remember floating the rate. And my boss at the time at DuPont sort of said, oh my God, the rates are going to go to 30%, whatever it is. And, you know, he locked in at 21% for three years. And I looked at him, Ken Sicalo was his name. I said, Ken, if the Grinches go to 30%, more than me is going to lose my house. Right. Yes. And so I go, the next year, my rates are 12. Yes. Okay. So I, I floated him. I, I floated it ever since because I, that's, I was a cash flow risk I was willing to take. Okay. Yeah. Where if you don't and you lock it in, you may win, you may lose. And I'm not saying that's yes. right or wrong, but no. my instinct was this is what I'm going to do and this is what I can afford to do. So I'll do it that way. And I think that's what you've got to go with, not what everybody else is doing, but with what you feel is right for you. And you, 
as you say, Chris, we've made mistakes. So yeah. No, no, for sure. So you got out of recovery technologies, you got into GCP industrial product, products, you've been running that over 20 years. So, so maybe describe better to the leaders. What does that, what does that do? And why are you able to create the value that you create in that business with your team? Yeah. Thank you. I mean, that's a, I, I, I mean, this is, this is the story I love because you know, it's been so, but I want to say when I, st- when I started it, I was already in my mid to late forties, 46, 47, something like that. Right. And, uh, I didn't have very much. And so this had mm-hmm. some, whatever I did next had to work. And so now there was no option. Something had to work. Something had to be in a position so that I could be the kind of coach I wanted to be, to be a kind of father. I wanted to be husband and, you know, provider and business. And so that, so failure was not an option to come at that point. Right. So I put the Chinese off for a couple of years to, and then I finally said, yeah, I'll, okay, I'll sell for you. I didn't know too much. And, but again, that, that was a start over from scratch. Like there mm-hmm. was nothing, you know, the first order is October of 1999. The first year we did half a million dollars and then we did a couple of million today. We do 20 million. And, right. um, but it was all no, never any home runs all step-by-step, step. you know, maybe that, that is just consistent with me. I'm a small guy in stature, so I was never going to hit the ball a long way and I was never going to run very fast. I was never going to do any of that stuff. So can I steal a base here and there? Can I you know, yeah. sneak out a double or whatever it might be in baseball terms? And, but what I saw was, I said, the wave from China is going to come. And I've written a book called Guanxi uh, about my experiences in China, the first 14 years. Mm-hmm. And the way I described it was that I used to watch ABC's Wide World of Sports and they do surfing from Hawaii. and in the surfing, you had to paddle to catch a wave, but you had no idea whether that was going to be a big wave or not a big wave. I guess maybe with more experience, the experienced surfers would get that. But if you waited too long and you got on the underside of it, the wave would pound you into the, into the surf, into the, into the sand, into the beach. And, okay, and that was not a good thing. And if you, if you didn't paddle fast enough, you wouldn't catch the top of it and it would pass you by. But yeah. if you got on top of it, you might go for a long ride. Okay? And I said, well, this wave is coming. And so is this the right one? I don't know, but I'm going to start paddling and I'm going to start moving. And we began to realize that, you know what, we can do something here. Yeah, we can do something. And, and for me, it was, everybody had to win. So we were using recycled product. We were the key for the Chinese factory was I knew and right from the beginning, I said, I want you to make, I want to make you into a world-class factory, not just a Mm -hmm. domestic supplier. For our customers, I said, I want to give you options. I want to break up the stranglehold that people have in the supply chain. And can we save you some money at the same time? And for us, can, can we create a life for the people, give them opportunities that they, they might not have had? So for the first few years, I had what I call a band of misfits. And I always right. said, if we could have been somewhere else, we would have been. But everybody who joins me always has a sense of adventure because right. we never know what our world's going to be. But that was, that was a step-by-step, customer-by-customer, you know, you know, a little bit painful always, but always still staying on the same track. What can we do? How can we be there? How can we help everybody else? Yeah. How can we help people along? I just got off this small this morning, um, the call with China, because I can't go to China here in October, too much yeah. quarantining on both sides. And the, one of the gentlemen on there who is now in his late forties, I've known since 1997 and they're our biggest supplier. We're their biggest customer. Right. And they've, just finished telling us in spite of all the things that are going on in the world, we've bought, we've gone down less than anybody else. So we have a very loyal relationship. And that was one of the things that was important to me, mutually mm-hmm. beneficial, long-term yes. relationships. And yeah. uh, that's the motto that we've operated by. And we've just stayed with that. And yeah. that has that. And I, you can probably tell, I feel really great about what's been accomplished. I got For sure. a team of people around me now, but it was just, 
you know what, what do we want to do? We want to catch yeah. the wave. We want to help everybody else. We want to help people out. And in spite of what's being said about China, I got to tell you, I deal with some wonderful people and it's mm-hmm. not, poli- it's not politics. I deal with all entrepreneurs as well. And yes. they have the same issues that we've got. And yeah. they, they look to us to help them. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been through all the factors. There's not child labor, any of the things that you might think yes. about. These yeah. are sophisticated facilities. They are highly you know, trained and educated people, very knowledgeable, very passionate, even about their mm-hmm. own country and about their what they do. And it's been phenomenal for me to have that in my life. And that's something that I'll that'll always take away. Was able to, and I always feel if we trade together, we're not going to war together. So I think I think the same thing. But one thing is well, and and this is kind of maybe maybe a through line for our leaders listening is twenty years ago, I saw. And I'm just a painter, but many people saw that China was going to be a growing power. But who did what Gary did, right? Go and start a business to get out there. And so, so it's, it's when you see successful entrepreneurs, a lot of times they see things that other people see and then they act. They start moving in that direction. And that's what I want to acknowledge you for. And again, for having our leaders listen and go, oh, I get it. So it was there. It, and it was there for years too. It wasn't like, oh, if you didn't start in 1999, oh, well, you wouldn't be here or you didn't start. Like there's a big window that 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 these opportunities can get created. Well, you know, very much too. I happen to have the opportunity to sit beside Chip Wilson at a ah, conference Chip, yeah. and Chip, uh, of course, Lululemon and, mm-hmm. uh, with character, we're similar age vintage and we yes. talked about university and, and football and that sort of stuff. And, but, uh, and he's very casual. I have to be wearing some Lululemon clothes that day was perfect. Yep. I read day. his book. I read his <laughs> book, a great Canadian billionaire. So yes. yeah, but he did the same thing. He, he looked mm-hmm. at it and he said, he went to this yoga class and found out that there are all these women there. And he said, they all like, you need to wear these particular clothing. He also looked at the trend and saying, and this one thing he says, he probably says in a book, I haven't read it, but he says, I haven't, haven't met him. I, he said, I could see that, you know, the women were, had, had means, had wealth and wanted to set their own trends. And he said, then he goes to this yoga class. And he says, well, there, there isn't that kind of athletic clothing for everyday wear uh, yes. for women. So I said, okay. I mean, this man's over six feet tall. He's over six feet tall. He's, yeah. a, he's a big guy. He's not, he's not the kind of guy you'd think you know, that, would, that would do that. But he said he's always been able to see those things and put them together and put those trends together. Yeah. And so it was always there, Chris, just as you mm-hmm. say. But yeah. he put the pieces together. And, I, and, I, and, and that's, as you just pointed out, that's the, that's the important part. Again, trust what you're doing. And start down the path. Did he have any idea to be as big as it is? Oh, not, a, not, a not a chance. Not a chance. Not a chance. I mean, he, he'll tell you the other things he started. He started in surfboards and yes, he started yeah, in no. ski, skateboards and all that other stuff before he got there. You know, he's, he's an original West Coast hippie style. Yeah. Uh, but again, that's where the magic comes. People put things together that others don't see, even though the situation's already there. Right. And it's there. So what I would love for you to share with our leaders maybe two or three of the, of the, you know, key concepts of the strategic coach, uh, the strategic coach is the, the world's best entrepreneurship program. And Gary's been coaching there for, you know, 24, 25 years, uh, 3000 entrepreneurs. So Gary, what do you think? Um, especially thinking, you know, for, you know, 20 year olds thinking about those, those concepts. Yeah, I, I, you know, and and it applies for 20 year olds and applies for those older. I happen to do what today is Thursday, yesterday, I had a number one workshop 
And mm-hmm. so I got a chance to talk about that. I said, first of all, the, the number one thing is if you're being an entrepreneur and you started this off this way, talking about the results economy versus time and effort for a long, yeah. long time. And I think still the, the, the trending school of thought is that people, their badge of honor or, or badge of medal yeah. is the fact that they just continue to work hard and they can yeah. work harder and longer than everybody else. Well, yeah. I'd, like the, I'd like that to go out the window right away. Yeah. That's, that's, that's myth number one. And the reason is, is that just working longer and harder doesn't mean you're going to be unsuccessful. You're kind of in the time and effort economy. So it, it leads to that. So you need to take free days. You need to take time away from your work. That's free days is a concept that we have from strategic code. You need to take time away from work because what people really want. And just as we, just as we finished talking about, you said for me or, and for Chip Wilson, and that clearly goes for you as well. We can't be creative unless we have freedom of mind. Right. And if we're tired all the time and exhausted and fatigued, we can't have freedom of mind. And uh, I, I love this expression that's attributed to Vince Lombardi is that fear makes cowardice of, of us all. And so he wants to make sure you can't be afraid, but you, if you're, you have more fear if you're tired. And mm-hmm. so you, got, you can't be tired. So one, take, take your time away from work, which leads you to the second point. The second point is, and, and Chris, you know this, is that we, we have to do, only do those things we're really good at doing. Yeah. That's, a, that's myth number two. You got to yeah. do everything. Well, when we start out, we have to do everything. I want you to, I want all of them to realize really quickly that some things they do well and they do them really quickly. They do them easily. They yeah. like them. They fill bring them a up. lot of value, fill them yeah. up. And there's yeah. other things that they have to do that are a drain. Yeah. They're pain. Yeah. They postpone them, procrastinate, and they don't do them very well. Yeah. So right now, so now if you take time, so you're clear about what you think about, if you think, if you're now also conscious of who you are as a person and what you do well, then the third thing is build a team, yeah. build that team around you. You know, we, we kind of joked and chatted about this, but we both know it's, it's true. Build the team of people who are better at some things that you're not. Sure. And so you build coach's term. We call that unique ability. We all have a unique ability. I believe that. And so you build a unique ability team. It is awesome. Yeah. You just pick up and do things. It's synergistic. And nobody has to carry all the heavy weight. Yeah. yeah. You know, in this morning, the presentation we did, I didn't put anything on any of the slides. Yeah. It was all done for me. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't actually did give all the presentation. Let the guys who do it, because they've been around me a long time, I let them, I let them yeah. give the presentation. And I filled in the pieces that I wanted because that's the strength of the team. And so, you know, again, I, I, I think, the, the three things is make sure you, you know, take your time away so you're refreshed and relaxed and you do better work. Recognize what it is you do well and focus on that. And the things you don't do well, get it to other people's hands who do, well, do that well. If you do those three things, Chris, I mean, there's lots we say we could do, but those three things, you yeah. will find the opportunities because that's the way your mind's wired. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah. And I just believe that. If, we, if we're tired, we're not going to see them. Yeah, no, no. And, and the one other, the one other thing that, that jumps on top of that, that we've done and is, is the whole concept of a unique process. So if we have a unique ability team and then you create a, a process that, that actually sits alone in the economy, like our, our business, it's, we charge what we want. You know, our operators make incredible profit. The company's very profitable. It's 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 this whole space that's completely separate in a commoditized space. There's all sorts of painters. There's all sorts of window cleaners, and we are operating really independently in this space. 
you know, we could, we, we actually have had conversations. We could increase our fees. We choose not to, but we could increase our fees and not have an impact on our, you know, operators coming, et cetera. And we just go, no, this is, this is wonderful. Like that non-commoditized space because of the things you're building off of, of the strategic coach. Well, you, you know what? The, having a process, having a unique process is absolutely crucial. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I particularly, well, for every business, and I found particularly more so that we've now gone to digital work, your mm-hmm. processes have to be very robust. And uh, just to give you an idea, the, the, the expression I use for that, and I may have used it when you were in there, is systematize the predictable to humanize yeah. the exceptional. Yeah. And so if, if it's going to happen over and over again, it's worth putting a process in place for. Yes. And it's worth setting up. And people love them. Yes. Because when you, I'm sure your customers love it when they come in and they got a checklist and they're checking this off and they said, this yeah. is what I'm going to follow up with you. Yeah. This is what we're going to do. Man, the confidence that that brings is incredible. Mm. Instead Absolutely. Of saying, oh, yeah. Okay. We're going to do this and we're going to do that. And we'll let you know when we're coming and, We've had some contractor experiences, which I'd like to put in the dumpster. But <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but so the thing is, so you're absolutely right. So when you get through those things, you put the process together and many processes that whatever you need, and that, that totally sets you apart. You're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. No, well, you remind me, one of the things that we still use in our business is the four referability habits. That's another one of our values. And again, distinctive shows up differently than most contractors who are not on time. Don't finish what they start. Don't do what they say, you know, so, so it's just a a, a huge piece. So Gary, thinking back on your development, you know, personally, what did you need to change about yourself? What I needed to change was, and I remember this very distinctly was when I was finishing my time at the cleaning business and I was looking for a job and, and, uh, this guy was telling me, cause I was looking to try to get hired, you know, cause that was sort of the normal thing to do. And he kind of said, mm-hmm. Gary, you wouldn't even ask for help if you were drowning. Uh-huh. And, uh, I go, damn, you're right. And so, uh, that's one of the things I needed to change. I needed to change the saying, I'm not going to be in, in strategic coaches terms of rugged individual. I'm going to de- develop the unique teamwork that you're talking about. And, you know, sometimes it can be a curse to be too smart and, mm. and because you think yes. you can do everything. And just yeah. because you think you can doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Uh, in fact, more often than not, you've got to really limit yourself to, I mean, people are really only a genius in one thing, yeah. not in multiple things. And, mm-hmm. and we, we love specialists today over generalists. So, and I think that's exactly what you've done with your business and your leaders and carving out the specialty that they, the business side, but also from them. Yeah. So that's what I had to learn. The biggest thing I had to learn is to give it up. Uh, get other people on board, trust them to do it. And and coach really helped me with that. But I even got an indoctrination to that prior prior to that. Yeah. Well, I love that. I love that. Um, you know, and again, it can be, you know, it's almost like the gift is a curse. I know Gary, just because what you studied, you're way smarter than me. So <laughs> I never think I never think I'm the smartest guy in the room. So so I so it's never been, oh, I'll figure this out, figure this out. No, no, no. So, you, you know, unique teamwork's easier for me. Oh, I need people to help me. But, you know, it's, it's for those really smart people. We've had really smart people in our business. We've got lots of really, really smart people in our business. And so that can be something that stands in their way. They want to hold too much. They want to control too much. They want to, you know, and having them see that, again, like you said, even if they, they could, they're way better off to delegate it and, and, and help coach other people to, to take, take and develop them. 
Yeah, can I take a shot at the school Please. system while we're talking about it? Um, yes. And 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 I want to I want to draw a comparison for you. In that the thing is in in the school system, we were always rewarded for being the smart guy, the yeah. smart girl, whatever we were, the smart yeah. person in the room, and they'd look up to you and they do all that sort of stuff to you. Uh, the other thing that is is that if you, if you think about it, why is why is online gaming and gaming become so popular? And and one of the reasons is where do you start when you when you're gaming? What level do you start at when you start gaming? Right. Start at zero. Okay. And how do you go up levels? Get because better, you, I guess. Because you achieve, right? Right. So people are driven by achievement. It's right. cool. You technically start with 100% and then you lose marks. You lose marks okay. for spelling. You lose marks for grammar. You lose marks yeah. for not explaining everything. And so yeah. I explained this I explained this to this friend, this friend of ours who principal. And she was absolutely silent. I just did this a couple of months ago. And when I talked about, and she goes, well, uh, that's not the way it is. Well, don't you lose marks for grammar? Don't you lose marks for punctuation? Don't you lose marks for not expressing that thought? So technically everybody starts with a hundred. So yeah. then I go and say, well, let's put it this way. Chris, both of you have children. I have children, I think. And, and I yeah. go, your child comes home, gets 95%. What's the first thing you think about? Well, for me, I think, wow, what a great mark. Well done. Awesome. What do you think most people think about? <laughs> oh, where, where was the miss? Where was exactly. the 5% miss? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So we, we're, we're already built in that mentality that mm-hmm. we have all missed something instead of saying, yeah. you're totally right. I think that's awesome. And mm-hmm. so to, to relate it to me, when I was going through school, I recognized that this, the marks in the school system were for them, not for me. What did I need the marks for? I only needed the marks to go on to the next level that I wanted to go on to. Okay. So. I was constantly an underachiever. Right. Well, what, because, what, what, go on. Sorry. I said, I, cause I need 70 at that point, 70, yeah. 75% to get in engineering and to get the MBA yeah. and do that. And so I do that and they yeah. go, and I'd stop work. Cause I said, this is, this is your model. This isn't mine. This is your model. And I never realized that. I said, I don't want to do this. <laughs> like, okay, I want to go skiing. So I'll, I'll turn in my report for MBA on Friday night at, you know, 10 o'clock and then drive to Collingwood instead of waiting till noon the next day to turn it in. Cause I'm done. I want to ski for the weekend. <laughs> You give me another eight, eight or 12 hours, forget it. I'm out of here. <laughs> Might be able to get a higher mark. Who cares? Yeah, they, that, I love not, it. I, I love you, it. You know what? I, this is a lot of things you didn't know about me. I probably should never express all of this. No, no. I think that's, well, to me, that's, that's great. It's like being really clear in your life. What do you want? Like, that's something that, that again, we want our leaders going. Now, again, like just what do you want? That's really the most important question you can always ask. And again, it's not a selfish question. But when it gets, it's, it's, you know, hey, you know, Gary and I, you know, our families, our children, our communities, our businesses, really important to each other. What do you want actually helps you serve in those, those ways? Because obviously we want to serve those people. Yep. Well, you know, it's, 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 I like to make a little analogies, as you know, and I, I, one of the things I relate to is, I, this is a Katy Perry song. And she goes, she said, I stood for nothing, so I felt for everything. Yeah. And so I, I pick up those little lines. I said, you know what? Well, if you stand for something, you don't have to feel for everything. It's a great filter for us. And so yeah. really important what you just said, that what are you standing for? What's important for you? What's your purpose? Mm-hmm. And I knew what I wanted to do. Nobody's yeah. ever, in fact, I, I'm looking at now in this little office. I finally took with my wife's prodding took my degrees out of the envelope that I got them in back in the seventies, got them framed and they're on the wall. They sat in the same envelope for 40 fucking years, excuse me, three or freaking years <laughs> because it didn't matter to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. That's I, I so got funny. the marks. Okay, good. I made it. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. You know, oh, so awesome. I'm, I'm sorry about that, but you know, the thing is, it's, it's, it's just what was important to me was to get it and do it accomplishment. Mm-hmm. 
And that's all that was really important for me. And so coming to your point, and I, so yeah. I think that's really, and again, I, I look and I go, my achievements and say, wow, you know, I'm, I appreciate that others appreciate it, but I kind of go, there's more that I could do. And I go, why are we the size of business? Why aren't we a bigger business? Why aren't we doing all those things? And I, yeah. I have to bring myself back to the point saying, what have we accomplished? And uh, yeah. what, what did we want to do? And mm-hmm. I have to go back and say, I didn't want to be hugely big. I didn't want to be the, the multinational that I, there are certain things that I wanted to do. And so coming to your point is that that's why I'm okay. I'm, I've yeah. done the things that I wanted to do and there's more that I will do, but I'm, yeah. that, that was, that was the driving force. Well, that's another concept as well. That's that, um, you know, for our leaders, Gary's focused on progress, not on perfection progress, not on some idea that again, he really actually didn't even have himself driving and we can catch ourselves there. Like we know someone who's more successful. And one of the things about when you're in business long enough and you reaching a level of success, then you network. And it's like, I know, I know a couple billionaires personally. I know a number of people are worth 100 million plus. And so you can start comparing yourself and thinking, oh, I shouldn't have, or I could have, or what was I thinking? No, you know, hey, it, it's, it's be proud of the progress that you've made. Be proud of what, what you set your sale to. And that's where we're moving. You know, it, it brings me up as I know, like you, I know a couple of billionaires as well. Some of it inherited, some of it created. And one of them, it was the second generation. I was at his father's funeral and I've known him for a long time and and name's not going to be there. And he said, you know, Gary, what are you doing? Everything else. And and I mean, I, I know them, know the family and long, long time, gone to school with a couple of them. And he goes, he says, you know what? I really respect the guys that start things. Mm -hmm. I go, holy crap. Like we're, we're not even one order of magnitude apart, probably two, you know? Yes, exactly. And, <laughs> and uh, he's a couple of years younger than me over there, but you know, just, the, just for, for him to say that, I go, wow, I didn't never looked at myself that way. I just put one, one as I said earlier, one yeah. foot in front of the other and went on. Yeah. And so, you know what, it's great to have that perspective. And I think for your leaders to look at that, we, we're not going to see ourselves the same way as other people see us. And uh, yeah, that's true. Um, it's, it's, it's helpful to do that. But I'm always, whenever I coach Chris, you know, I'm always excited and humbled by what everybody yes. else does. Yes. And uh, in all the workshops I've done, it never, it never fails. I'm really excited what people are doing, but uh, wow, what are they, they're doing some fabulous things. Yes. In the world. And I go, yeah, I'm just, just delighted to be a part of it. So. Yeah, no, and it's true. And that's a great way to, that's a great way to live. Right. And just, oh, wow. You know, look at what people are contributing. Look what people are doing. So last question, Gary, when you think of a leader of tomorrow, what comes to mind? I think the the leaders of tomorrow are, are willing to work in a world that is not very well defined, that there's a lot of uncertainty. I yeah. feel we're coming into a much more uncertain period than, than it's been in the past. And, but I, I, I like, and I, I use this expression a lot attributed to Warren Buffett, is that when the tide goes out, you get to see who's swimming naked. And I know it's related to the financial world, but also I yeah. think it relates to us now that the tide has gone out for all of us. The, the structures that we had, that the, the we're seeing, we're seeing an acceleration of the infrastructure, school infrastructure, maybe even hospitals, government, bigger institutions. We're seeing those structures crumble under their own weight. Um, and we'll see more of that as we come out of the, the COVID-19 period with all the debts that people have got. So yeah. what's happening is that if we expected that, that, and that everything's going to go smoothly, uh, it's not going to happen. However. There's always more opportunity. There's great opportunities that are coming if you're willing to live with the uncertainty. Yeah. And so bring, bring the certainty back to you and, and 
be willing to communicate to others what you see as a future. You may not, you may not be right, but the one thing is you're not always going to be wrong. And so we don't have to be certain of it ourselves. What we just have to do is be certain, as I say, put one foot in front of the other, what's important. And for me, what's important is we've got to look after people. We've got to look after relationships. So living in uncertainty. And then who are the people in your life that are most important to you? Your families, as we've just talked about, are most important. Yeah. So what do you need to do to look after them? Your team of people you got, what do you got to do to look after them? Your clients, your suppliers, you know, whatever that network is. And just focus on that. And, and what do you do to make their lives more certain and more comfortable? And that will bring you, one, an incredible amount of appreciation, but also a incredible amount of value to them. And we have to create value as an entrepreneur before we get rewarded. Yes. And so we deal with the dangers that people have, the fears they've got, the opportunities they have. We complement their strengths. And that, to me, when I ever come back to it, that's the fundamental relationship that we all have. How do we create value? The people that appreciate it. And we look after, and then we will be rewarded for that. But it's not going to be, it's, it's going to have to come from inside because there's not a lot of certainty that the world's going to deliver us for a few years. Yeah. Well, Gary, I've really, really enjoyed our conversation. I'm so glad uh, that I reached out. Um, and I know uh, we're going to be doing this again for Gary's podcast next week. So really excited about getting some more time face-to-face on Zoom um, <laughs> and, and uh, having a great conversation. So thank you. Well, Chris, thank you so much. You know, this is a real change for me because I always interview other people and uh, I, always yes. keep my, I, keep, I keep my story to myself, <laughs> but uh, you, you, got, you, got, you got both barrels of the shotgun today. So thank you. Thanks for bringing that up. Well, <laughs> what an awesome story. Congratulations, Gary, on all the progress. Talk to you. Right. And I can't wait to, to see what you do over the next 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? As, as I've got a little grandson now that's nine months old and he was studying me, you know, and my wife is going, she says, if you're trying to figure out your grandfather, forget it. <laughs> I've married him for 40 years and I haven't figured it out. <laughs> so <laughs> so awesome. that's my, that's, that's my life. <laughs> fantastic. Okay, okay. Fantastic. Okay. Thanks, take care. Chris. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Right, bye now. Hey leaders. I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down the path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And I can't wait to see you on the other side.